Every time I stand up here, I get filled. Today is such a serious topic, and there are so many of you in so much pain. I have been there. I'm not there right now, but I know what it feels like. And before we get started, I want those of you, I don't want to forget this, who are divorced, to know that many times it is not your fault. And many times the Lord has to remove from us those things that would stop us from serving Him. And it is not any of our places to judge anyone else's life. For those of you that are single, for those of you that are widows, I pray that something that the Lord says today will still be a part of your life and make a difference for you. And so I'd like us to start with prayer. One more time. Okay. Father, I am so unworthy to do this for you. But I'm available. And I pray, Lord, that I will not be seen today, but your spirit will cover this place, that you will touch every heart that is hurting, that you will mend them and heal them, and not just heal them, but let them leave here filled with hope and love. Let them leave here feeling that they belong and that they matter. And so, Lord, now I just empty myself and I pray that your words will be heard. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Father. Amen. I have to thank um, Pastor Dorsey. I think he's somewhere over there because I had this whole week planned, you know, how you have it planned. And last night when he talked again about the woman at the well, he said that she was so impactful because she just told her own story. And so the Lord said, throw all that stuff away because you can go to the Bible and get all the things that I was going to say. But he brought me here to just simply share my story. You see, everybody's story matters, and you must understand that too. And we have to be willing to share our stories. And so the rest of the week, I'm just going to share my story. So I'm going to stop crying now. My husband and I met at Oakwood College. We dated for three years, grew to love each other. That word fell in love is just not real. But we grew to love each other, and I was a, as you could say, California wild woman. I wasn't even at Seventh-day Adventist. But I came there, and I was just excited about life. And unfortunately, or fortunately for my husband, I haven't changed. But somewhere in our dating, he wanted to change me, you know? He wanted me to be more sophisticated. He said, I laugh too loud, and all of those things. And, 41 years later, I'm, I'm laughing louder and a little more out of the box. But we were married. And um, 41 years later is where I'm going to take you. 
And it's when the Lord woke me up uh, about three weeks ago to say, mm, it's time to start writing what you're going to say. Of course, he's erased all that except this one part. And that is, how many of you are living with a spouse that snores? Now, some of you cannot raise your hand <laughs> because your spouse will be offended. But if you can, I'm just curious, how many of you live with a spouse that snores? Okay, it's okay. Well, so do I. As a matter of fact, my husband snores so loud. It gets louder and louder that I really am at a point where he does wake me up. But why do people that snore deny it and get offended? So... I talk about it and my husband gets very offended. So I said, he denies that he snores. So I'm like, okay. So I took that phone I was telling you about yesterday. <laughs> and one night when he was snoring, I put it on video. And I taped him. And in the morning, he was so offended. He said I had violated his privacy. <laughs> yeah, this is true. And then he had the nerve, this is true, he had the nerve to tell me I snore. <laughs> and I said, I know I don't snore. You don't need to compromise your integrity to get back at me because I am sleeping beauty. I go to bed, I put my hands on my chest, and I sleep. But my husband would say that I snore. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we have come in 41 years. Now, there is some good news about the Grace Snoring Saga, and that is that 41 years later, we are still in the same bedroom. Yes. Now, Lord help me, I so have to share with you some things, and, and, and I want to do it so delicately, I don't know if we have youth, but we're talking intimacy this week. And my husband and I are still in the same bedroom. And my husband and I are still in the same bed. Now, I know a lot of couples who are no longer in the same bed, and some of them are not in the same bedroom. And ladies and gentlemen, if the Lord, again, we continue to go back to if the Lord himself used intimacy to heal. How can we save our marriages or be available for the Lord to save our marriages if we are no longer even willing to compromise to be together? You see, I don't have that right to say that because my husband snores, not me, that I'm just gonna move out of the bedroom because I need my rest. I hear that so much. Or that because one of us may, and I won't say who, watches TV all night long when one of us, I won't say who, wants to sleep or read, that I'm just gonna move into the other part of the house. That is an attack of the enemy. As my dear friend, Chaplain Linda Lynch says, it is an attack of the enemy because the enemy does not want us to be intimate, not with the Lord, 
and not with each other. <sighs> Marriage is under attack. And you know why? Because it says in Revelation 19.7 that it is so special to the Lord and it's been anointed that it's even compared to Jesus coming back for his bride, the church. So do you know how serious that is for the devil to attack us? It is so important that we are available. It goes back to the intimacy. If we are not intimate with the Lord first, there is no way we can stay intimate with each other for 41 years. And I want to tell you something, and I don't even know what I'm saying, and I'm going to forget the notes. There was a time in my husband and my life after our four kids, and we went to Loma Linda Dental School, and we had the first baby of all of the students at the school and all of that. And um, there came a time when we got here, and you know, you start making the money and all of those things. And we had come to a point, and I don't even have time, I don't even remember what it was, that we had decided it was not going to work. And I remember, we've never argued, screamed at each other. We're always loving. But you can be loving and stop communicating. Did you know that? Some of us can just go to one part of the house and someone go to the other part of the house and you can live together a lifetime, some of us. So this morning, about three o'clock in the morning, my husband got out of the bed. We hadn't been speaking. We were still in the same bed. Praise God. And he says, I think it's time to go. And I agreed. And, and in sorrow, I said, I think so too. And he got up out of the bed. Kids were small. They were asleep. And I got up with him, and I helped him get some of his belongings. Really. This is true. And we walked to the door together. And he went out with the keys, and I went to the window, and I really did this. I waved and cried, and he was getting in the car. And he went to turn the keys, and the car wouldn't start. <laughs> really, this is true. I'm still waving, tears, knowing it's the right thing. And he starts the car again car won't start. We did this a couple of times. I'm tears dried up. My arm is tired. <laughs> Not knowing what's going to happen. And finally, this is true, he humbly comes back in the house. Three o'clock in the morning, I open the door, and we just fall asleep on the couch. Well, in the morning, I wake up and panic. Willie, you're late for work. Get up! And we're running. He gets dressed. This is before cell phones. He runs, grabs his keys. I open the door. He runs out the door. He gets in the car. His car starts, and he's gone to work. <laughs> really. And when he left, I, you know, collapsed. Whew. And then it comes to me. What happened? And 30 minutes later, because there isn't a cell phone, he calls and he says, do you know what happened? Do you know that station wagon never before or after ever had a problem? We traded it in because we just wanted a new car. That's who God is. You see, he protects us. 
He protects us even when we cannot protect ourselves. And it's so important for us to compromise. We must compromise in marriage. It's very difficult to live together and agree all the time. Now, when we first got married, my husband had the audacity. This is true. We dated three years. When we got married, the first disagreement we had, he was furious with me because he said, it's not enough that you agree with me. You have to believe like I believe. <laughs> really? And I said, oh, we're in trouble. And I think we quit talking. We were at Oakwood. We got married, went back to Oakwood for the summer, and we quit talking for about two months. Because I'm like, no, no, no. Ellen G. White says that we must keep our individuality. But you work through all of those things. Um, in marriage, and I tell my children this all the time, especially my sons in all circumstances, but I'm going to say this about marriage. You know how we, we have fish stories. And I say to them, how much time do you fishermen, how many fishermen do we have? Any? Ooh, everybody in my house are fishermen. How much time do fishermen spend on bait before they go fishing? My boys and my husband spend a lot of time catching bait. And I listen to what bait is going to catch this one? And how do we hook it so we can grab it? And the Lord revealed to me years ago with my boys that that is just who he is with us. The devil, as the pastor said last night, is brilliant except Jesus. And he has focused on what it takes to bait us in marriage, to hook us, and destroy us. And we have to be so very careful about that. And there's only one way for us to survive marriage. It's not us. I love my husband. He loves me. We're very gentle and kind to each other. But I'm going to tell you, if it wasn't for the Lord himself, we would not be together. And so that intimacy, again, it can't be husband and wife it's a principle, that's true. There were times in our anniversaries when we didn't even speak to each other. You know, it wasn't unkind, it was just like, hey. There were years like that where we just weren't intimate. But what's so important about what the Lord says that there are young people here, you cannot marry unbelievers. Let me tell you why. It's not because we're better or not better. But it means in those times in your life in marriage, when you cannot connect, you know that when you go to your corner and you go to the corner, you are connected this way. And if you are not connected this way, because one who's a believer is connected this way, the devil will bring counterfeit to the other. You know where it says that the very elect can be deceived in marriage too. We have plenty of servants of the Lord who the devil snatched up with bait because they weren't connected when they were separated this way. We must stay connected here even when this is broken. 
Compromise. We have to do it. And I'm going to share a beautiful story of how my husband compromised. Since he's the snore and I'm not, I'm going to be fair and I'm going to share something good he does. I love outdoors. I love everything outdoors. And there was a time when I wanted to fly a plane and ride a motorcycle. And so on my 40th birthday, I got the kids to school, my husband went to work, and nobody knew that I had made an appointment to fly a plane. And so I drove myself to the executive airport for my first flying lesson. And I thought I'd tell them when I get home. And I had that lesson and I loved it. I got to land the plane. Can you believe that? This little plane was horrifying and I took off on the runway and it was a wonderful thing. And I had about two or three more lessons. My husband hated it. And I stopped it because, unfortunately, my husband's first cousin, who was a pilot who had gotten me excited about this, who became a dentist with my husband, that's how close they were, he was flying to a dental convention and his plane crashed and he died. And so I let that go. But I stayed with the motorcycle. And so I took motorcycle lessons. My husband tried to scare me out of it. I've been in emergency. You're going to be ruined. You're going to break limbs. But I needed that for myself. So what happened is the first day after he surrendered, I rode my motorcycle by myself. He hated that. It was an early Sunday morning, and I decided it was a safe time to go. Do you know what my husband did, who hated the fact that I went on and got that motorcycle? We have an expedition. He got up that Sunday morning, got in the expedition, and when I drove out on that motorcycle, he followed me in the expedition all morning. He would not let one car pass me. <laughs> it's the truth. I mean, he was holding up traffic and I was like, it's okay, honey, it's okay. He would not let anybody pass me. Is that not our God? Our God protects us from so much that we would never know. Our God protects us in our marriages in ways we don't know. And I want to end this with 41 years later. We had our anniversary two weeks ago. Now, I've got to go back to something. I've got to go back to something. Our sons in these 41 years, and you're going to hear a lot about this tomorrow for Children and Teens Day, ended up in jail. Both of them. We have four children. The two oldest, 18 months apart. Now, they went to all Adventist schools. I did every single field trip, so much so that I could tell you every field trip in Orlando, Florida, I did it four times with four children. I did field trips where all the kids wanted to go in my car because I would sneak snacks in the car. 
My kids got to the point where they're like, Mom, could you just not go on one field trip? But these are the boys who ended up in jail while I was doing women's ministry. My boys were in jail. And there were times in my life in a day that there was a certain point in the area that we live. The jail was in Orlando. There was a jail in Sanford. And the church was in Orlando. That I would be at Sanford in the jail. And I would weep coming back to a certain point because I had to go and do something with women's ministry. So I would have this point to cry. I'd stop at this point, build up so the Lord could say what he wanted to say through me with women's ministry. We'll talk about that more later in the week. But my boys made that decision. Now in that time, my husband and I were different people. My husband wanted to bail them out. I was a hardliner. They did it, they stay. Now, I may be in that jail with them. I would be in that lobby watching. I would just be in the lobby. But I would not want them bailed out. My husband would go and bail them out every time. Go bail them out. When they were on drugs, he would give them money, thinking that that was going to fix it. For me, it was like, they're going to go get some more. We were just different people. And in that period of time, there was a severe thread broken between us as well as the rest of our family. We'll talk about it later. But here we go again. The only thing that could protect that to now was being connected in intimacy with the Lord when everything else in our house was broken. But now I'm going to jump to 41 years because we'll get to the other stuff later. Um, our 41st anniversary was June 11th this year. And I told my husband, I'm just happy because I'm happy that we've been married 41 years this year. There were some years where I wasn't happy. I think there were some years he was like, oh, but this year, thank you, Lord, we're so happy. So I decided, man, it was it's playoffs, you know. We just got over the playoffs in, in the United States. And my husband and my sons and my daughter love the playoffs. And our anniversary was on a playoff night. So I had decided, I know the perfect gift. I'm going to get all pretty, and I'm going to sit on the couch and watch this game with my husband. That's the best gift I could give him. Well, my husband had decided the best gift he could give me is to not watch the game and take me to dinner. <laughs> But seriously, for weeks before, people were like, 41 years? What cruise are you going on? What country are you going to? Are you going to get a new wedding ring? What pretty dress are you going to wear? What fancy restaurant are you going to for dinner? Well, you know what happened? 41 years later, connected to Jesus. We got dressed. And we went to a brand new sports restaurant where there were TVs all over the walls. <laughs> and we got in a big old booth, and we had dinner, and we watched the game, and it was one of the best anniversaries of my life. 
There's so much in marriage. We know the pain, we all do. Some of you feel like you failed, you didn't. Some of you right now are not speaking to each other, it's okay. Your children are all over the place. Some of you have lost your children in trying to stay in a relationship. But all we really need to know is intimacy. And when we can't be intimate with each other, we must always be intimate with Jesus and he will keep us connected. Now to end this, I want one couple. And I need a pastor and a wife. I'll tell you why. Because we forget that if we're under attack and our pastors are the head of our flocks, do you know the attack their marriages are under? How many of us, don't raise your hand, are praying for your pastors and their relationships? Your administrators that are flying all over the world and their relationships? How many of you are praying as much for your relationships as you are for your children? Think about that one. What pastor and wife would volunteer? I'm going to come down. If you'll meet me right here, I have something that I want us to read together in closing. I need a pastor and one wife. Is someone coming? Okay. I missed it. Am I missing something? Your wife? Is there a wife for this husband? Is she coming? She's coming. Awesome. Okay. Can we go? Let's go to the center. <laughs> Thank you, wife. I know. Say, putting you under all of this. Well, it's not him. It's the Lord. The Lord has called you to. How long have you been married? Oh, and I didn't, I need the microphone. Can I get the microphone? Oh, 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 I should have asked you and you not tell. No talking. So how long have you been married? I, I, I thought it was 25. Uh, she said 23. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Yeah, they're the right couple. All right. This says, IOUs can keep love alive. I'm going to read part of it, and then I want you to read. I hope you can read this. It's kind of small. It says, debt is usually not a good thing, at least not when we consider what is personally owed to us. You owe me's can destroy a marriage if your mind dwells on you owe me's, you'll constantly be thinking of the wrongs, the slights, or the injustices you have suffered instead of talking it out and canceling the debt by forgiving and forgetting. You owe me's get stuffed into dark closets of your mind and tend to be pulled out in times of stress in order to hurt the other or cause the other's feelings of guilt. So ban you owe me's in marriage. Repeat that after me. Ban 
You owe me's in marriage. Instead, concentrate on IOUs. I owe you for taking on the responsibility of a family. I owe you for loving me enough to overlook my moods. I owe you for letting me pursue my hobbies without questions. This is for you, honey, if you're listening. <laughs> I owe you for absorbing financial burdens. I owe you for being kind enough to leave me alone when I need alone time. I owe you for believing in me and encouraging me to become everything God made me to be. My husband does that so well. Now here are 10 IOUs that are guaranteed to make your marriage of, is it 23 or 35? <laughs> 23 more meaningful years. Can you read this? I'd like you to read the first one. Can you read it? Right here. Right, um, you respect because you are God's chosen one for me. You are royalty, a child of the king. Which one? Two. I owe you the courtesy of remembering only your good points. Three. I owe you Christ-like words and actions. I can do this only if I have a daily relationship with Christ. Amen. Four. I owe you hugs and kisses and gentle touches. <laughs> okay, we're going to take just a moment. Could we have one of those hugs, please? Okay, five. I owe you at least three compliments a day. Six. I owe you the benefits of the doubt, even if what you say is hard to believe. I will trust, not argue. Now that is important. It says, even when I am questioning what you're saying, I choose to believe because I will trust you. That's very important. Okay. Where are we? Seven. I owe you forgiveness, for God has already forgiven me. And I really believe it. I owe you the words, I'm sorry. When I have been selfish or wronged you in some way. I owe you thanks for the kind things you do, for loving me and for your being you. I owe you my time, time to listen, to love, to play, to worship together, and to love. To keep relationships happy and healthy. Remember that love keeps no record of wrongs. No you owe me's. Concentrate on giving away. I owe you's of love, 
and see what a difference it makes. Now you have a homework assignment starting today, every day. And starting today, when you come in for your testimony, I want one person to share from the homework assignment. Your homework assignment for today is to be intimate with the Lord so he can share with you where you need to take back in your relationship an IOU and give in return. Uh, let's see, where are we? To take back the you owe me and give in return an IOU. And I'll want one testimony tomorrow of what's happened in your relationship today. God bless you all. You are very much loved. Stay connected in intimacy with our Savior. Thank you both. God bless you.